uh, here or elsewhere. We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You might recall in uh, in the first chapter, uh, please turn to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, and we find that verses 2 and following is really expressive also of uh, that thankfulness that Paul has for the Christians there in, uh, in that city. So in verse 2 he begins, We give thanks to God always for you, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in, mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit. So his care and compassion uh, was to them. And, and notice, it, it wasn't for their economic prosperity. It wasn't for their uh, emotional or psychological uh, prosperity. It was concerning the faith, because that's the most important thing. That's the wonder of getting together on Sunday morning with fellow Christians. You know, the joy that we get from each other and that we can give to each other uh, in the Lord is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are those who, you know, speaking of that, I mean, there, there are those who, um, you know, may not uh, be so active in terms of, a relationship with with other members, right? But that doesn't mean there's no encouragement going on. Uh, both ways. Because I, I think especially in our day and, and more and more as we see uh, we see what's going on in the world, uh, God gives that greater encouragement with the, uh, what is I, I, I think is uh, referred to in the small called articles of the Lutheran Confessions as the mutual conversation of the brethren. You know, we, we sing the same hymns, we pray the same prayers, we confess the same faith, we receive the same body and blood of Christ at the altar in unity together. You know, uh, how encouraging is that? You know, in the midst of our day when, when, when our world literally is fractured, and, and we certainly can say that Christendom as a whole is also fractured because we don't all say the same thing. But to gather with those who believe as we believe according to what God says in his word, oh, what a relief that truly is. Uh, and by way of encouragement, that we, uh, that, that we continue to press on and, and even continue to resist the temptation you know, to, to compromise or dumb down to uh, you know, to minimize uh, the working of God uh, among us, or the working of God also in the world, uh, because there, especially today, and it was like this before too, in the early Christian church. What did they have to go on? If you go by sight alone, if you go by experience alone, what will you say concerning God's goodness? What will you say concerning God's favor? Uh, because in the eyes of the world, you know, God is maybe a little speck on the radar, if even that. But according to his word, you know, God remains hidden. 
to the many except by means of his word. You know, so when we speak of the Lord's Supper, that actually is something. When we speak of the word being preached and the, the forgiveness of sins, um, God is actually affecting what he's saying he's doing by means of those words. And we believe it not because it makes sense, but because God has, has given promise that by these means, he gives what he says. And he says what he gives. Right? And, and that is nothing but an encouragement. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, we're going to move a little quicker today, I think, at least in, in some respects, on, on some verses. Um, I'd like to, to move press on to uh, verse 11 and following uh, to the end of the chapter. So I think we leave it up to Frank. Did you read last time? Okay. Did you read? Yeah. Okay, all right. We start with verse 11 of chapter 3. May our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. The Lord made you grow in love and overflow with it for one another and for everyone else, just as we love you. So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Thank you. So we see that Paul wants to uh, <clears throat> Paul wants to uh, visit uh, with the Christians there, and then he says, "May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you." Um, so we'll we'll come across that word abound more or abound in love uh, as we move on to uh, to chapter four as well, but it's. You know, the, the Christian faith is not one that's at stasis. In other words, it's not one that, that remains the same. It might look that way in terms of where we are, what we're doing, and, and the like, but the, the Christian is constantly struggling with the temptation or with temptations um, contrary to the Lord's word, whether that be uh, kind of doing the wrong thing or not doing the right thing. Um, and... You know, Christians, of course, we, we learn from experience, as well as is noted in uh, Luther's small and large catechisms, that the greatest temptation is not only doing sin, but, but really despairing of God's grace and favor. You know, uh, don't answer this question, but do you find yourself, this is rhetorical, do you find yourself doing sometimes the same thing over and over and over, contrary to what you want to do? Um, I, I think uh, that certainly is the case for many Christians, if not most or all Christians. Some people find that as a bad habit. It could be. Can and you give us an example of what you're talking about? Well, yeah. Um, I think of, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more aware of this uh, for myself, but driving. Um, maybe I'm just getting older but I'm becoming more impatient with people <laughs> and that would be an example um, you know so you know sometimes things are thought things might be said um, and immediately following Lord have mercy <laughs> on them but especially on me 
yeah. you know, for thinking these things. And that would be, you know, a case in point that, you know, it's like, okay, we know better. Um, but, uh, you know, or, or, you know, things like, uh, you know, you're working on a project and I, I don't know, this kind of tends to happen to me that I, I think something is going to take maybe an hour, two hours, and it ends up taking four or five hours. You're all day. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But but it's just it's just really frustrating. You know, and then you get upset and worked up and everything. And then it really goes downhill from there. Right, and, and you know better, you know. Um, so, you know, part of it is, is kind of, you know, the, the bad habit thing, you know, kind of revising a little bit, you know. And, and so one thing that... Uh, and, and Frank was asking before he, he left the podium, have I ever yelled at my kids? And I said, no, it's not true, by the way. Because <laughs> um, I, I think all parents, probably at some point in their life, um, you know, raise their voice maybe just a little bit. Um, but, uh, I read that was smacked. Yeah. <laughs> Back when you could do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's another talking point. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, certainly. Um, but but you know, it, it, it you know, there is something to say about you know, like psychologists will say, you know, if if you're in the midst of an argument or something, you know, take a, take you know, count to ten, you know, just to kind of you know, or or leave the room, you know, before you say anything. You know, things like that, that, that doesn't mean you're not sinning, um, you know, in terms of getting all worked up, but uh, we don't want to compound the sin either by making it worse, right? And then also, you know, to, uh, to kind of clear the mind a little bit, um, emotions seem to, to have quite a bit of sway on what we do as well as what we say, right? Um, you know, so kind of trying to distinguish or distance ourselves, you know, from, from emotions at times can be a very uh, helpful thing. Um, sometimes, I don't know, um, you know, emotions can run so high that you say things that you really don't mean. Has that ever happened to you? No. And then afterwards, of, of course, you, uh, you try to make amends or, or say, I'm sorry, I confess, you know, please forgive me, and, and the like. Um, but sometimes just taking that extra few moments before saying anything can go a long way. Um, but oftentimes, too, in the, in the heat of the moment, we're not thinking so much about other people. Right? We're thinking more about ourselves. That's, that's why they suggest that if you have an emotionally charged email, you compose it, mm -hmm. save it as a draft. Mm -hmm. Come back into it in yeah. an hour, two hours, depending on the level of frustration you had right. to start with. Yeah, yeah you know, so, let the let the frustration and, and the angst simmer a little bit, and maybe it'll die down. And then, then you could look at that and say, well, that's a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I won't even send the email. You know, and that's why uh, you know some would express, uh, you know, that journals can be very helpful. You know, just writing down your thoughts. Um, as a way of release, um, and that's just on a practical level. But but also writing it down, you know, may may help the the writer, the individual, also see the uh, you know the enormity of of the sin too. 
you know, and uh, I, I know um, that that uh, that this has been a practice in some places, and that's you write down your journal and then throw it away or burn it, you know, kind of thing, as kind of uh, illustrative of what God does with our sins. Hmm. As far as the east is from the west, says the Lord, so far have every one of your transgressions from me. So, did you have a comment? That goes along with the saying, put brain in gear before you put your mouth in motion. <laughs> okay. Is that from the Bible? <laughs> That's from Revelation 25. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's good, you know, and, and just to, you know, um, kind of calm down a little bit. The trouble with putting everything in a journal would be when somebody finds that journal. Oh, that's the way you really feel. No, right? Yeah. But yeah, most that, people get rid of them, I think, but they yeah. want it because you, of yeah. emotional problems. Mm -hmm. Correct, Sometimes when you when you <laughs> and you overreact with a child or or this morning with a kitten causing guilt, it made me smile because I thought, oh, I can remember 20 years ago when the kids were 30 years ago when the kids were little. And stuff, you know. He said, I told you, no, don't do that. And she she just kept harassing her sister, Kathy. And, and he finally reached out and smacked her. Well, she came immediately in, swallowing the maid, telling me, got up on the bed and says, Daddy, wah, 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 wah. And I thought, it's just, they're just like children. But she learned her lesson and she quit what she was doing. And sometimes we got to take that into consideration. Your anger at your child or whatever, for whatever, is going to be in them and they're going to see oh that was not a good thing to do or the person you're and it's good people need to see that we <coughs> we react well that that's what that you know discipline of course is all about right mm -hmm. i mean discipline yeah. you know has this sense of teaching too i mean that's instruction you know and uh, you know uh, the writer of the hebrews i think in hebrews 12 you know speaks of uh the love of a father to his child, and and saying that you know he chastens not not out of hate but out of love. Yeah. You know, even though the chastening, the discipline doesn't feel good at the time. That's something I never understood at the time that I was disciplined. <laughs> um, you know, that was uh, during those days where where you know you didn't have it. Uh, there there were no there there were not the legal ramifications as there are today. Or the permission of the child to report their their, their parents. Yeah. That that's that that was a foreign thing in my day, at least to, to my knowledge. Um, but uh, but that's something I didn't understand until much later. That because my my dad would say, you know, things like uh, I remember him saying, "This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you," and I was like, "No, it's not. <laughs> it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you <laughs> to do this to me. Why are you doing? You know, kind of thing." But, but you, you learn along the way that it was actually for good. Yeah. And in, in the same way, God disciplines us in various ways, not because he doesn't like us or because he hates us, but rather because he loves us and he desires to train us you know, um, as, his, as his people, as his sons and daughters.
And uh, that, that puts a whole different perspective then on what we call affliction and suffering, what God allows, uh, what God permits, uh, because, you know, uh, and, and this is this is really uh, a difficult passage, I, I think, to, uh, you know, to contemplate. Uh, when things are going well, oh, we, we say, oh, yeah, sure. But uh, keep your finger here in First Thessalonians and go to uh, Romans chapter 8. sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I mean, just, just ponder those words a, a moment. It's, it's, it's talking about the suffering of the present time um, and also the glory that will be revealed in us, which we cannot see and we do not experience at the present time. This calls for faith. And confidence in what the Lord Himself says. What, what you know? When, I mean, we can we can guesstimate perhaps what kind of sufferings He's talking about. Not only physical suffering, but also a spiritual. Um, you know, Jesus Himself says, for example, you know, He who uh, uh, loves father and mother more than Me is not worthy of Me. You know, He says that uh, you know, son will go against father, father against son, daughter against mother, mother against daughter, etc., etc. Um, you know, there's suffering involved there too. Um, if, if any of you are um, have members or, or have family or relatives that are not Missouri Synod, you might know what I'm talking about, about the frustration. Um, because, well, why do you guys practice closed communion? Isn't that not Christian? You know, or... Um, well, you say this is wrong, but everybody else is doing it, you know, kind of thing. Um, it gets no, it, it gets really challenging, you know, and uh, you know, there, there's a temptation, you know, just to kind of not say anything whatsoever. The real frustration is when you have relatives that are Missouri citizens, <laughs> yeah, they don't understand, and you have those same kind of conversations. I, I have uh, an aunt and uncle that live in Virginia that uh, they used to be Missouri Synod, uh, but uh, where they are, apparently, I think the closest Missouri Synod is probably a good distance away. So they've been attending an ELCA congregation you know, for the last how many years? You know, um, And I, I think they had a woman pastor. They still might have a woman pastor. And I think initially they didn't like it. And they still might not like it, but they kind of bear with it and put up with it. But uh, and I've heard, you know, some uh, in, the, in the past, some ELCA in particular, but but also you could say Missouri too. Um, other denominations where where one has said, uh, you know, I was confirmed, I was married, I was you know baptized here, you know, and uh, even though where they are or where I should say they claim to be doctrinally in terms of what they believe. Um, is very different from the congregation itself. They still maintain that they 
believe what they already or always have believed, which is not true because they've been influenced a great deal. homosexuals, which they say are celibate, but um, are not. Um, so that, that, that created a slew of other problems, too. I guess I have to uh, update that, right? Uh, <laughs> Computers are fun, aren't they? I think we're good. <laughs> All right. So yeah, there were there were a number of uh, issues then, and then uh, uh, of course ELCA is is getting but nothing but worse, theologically speaking. Um, even though um, you know, if you look on their website, it sounds pretty orthodox. 
you know, but uh, you know, they don't necessarily come right out and tell you that they don't believe that the Bible is God's word. Um, you know, they are very accepting, uh, very tolerant. They have, uh, I think, they have a group called Reconciled in Christ, and it sounds good, yeah, to be reconciled in Christ. But what they mean is they accept everybody and everyone, independent of their sexual identity, independent of their orientation, as it's called. You had a question? I do. In the thing where we accept new members, there's a statement in there. Do you agree? Yeah, I I, I don't say of America. Evangelical Lutheran Church, that's what it's saying. Well, it it doesn't say that. It says Lutheran Evangelical or Evangelical Lutheran Church, and it just stops there. It doesn't say of America. But it sounds like it's okay. It very well, well could because of the phraseology. Yeah. The, the, the problem is, I, I think, the, the, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, the ELC, they've hijacked you know, the, the better part of that. In other words, you know, uh, it's not improper to say Evangelical Lutheran Church. And sometimes I'm tempted of saying, not of America, yeah. <laughs> you know, to identify that. But but if we if we look at these words, historically, historically evangelical, I mean, that's actually a good word, right? I mean, it's based on, you know, uh, you know of course, the, the evangel, the good news, the gospel. Right. I mean, so it... it Technically, it has to do with that. The problem is ELCA and many others who use that term have divorced it from its original meaning. That explains a whole lot because I had some friends that were evangelical Lutherans, but they were so strict, but they weren't of America, I'm guessing. Well, they could have been Wisconsin. Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran. I'm not sure what they were. There's also... ELS is another. That's a smaller. They're they're in fellowship with Wisconsin, by the way. That might be. Um, but yeah, they they're uh, you know what we call strict, of course. Um, you know they would simply say is is doctrine. You know, and oftentimes it's it's seen that way. I would say ELCA. They would say they're the most loose. But yeah. one could say that that they are strict too. They are. I, I would almost say that they're very legalistic. Fairness of everybody, the kind of things you hear. Well, and, and you know, legalistic also in the sense of well, you can you can believe what you want, but just don't say what is true. <laughs> Gee, it kind of sounds like society today. Yeah, it's it, it, does. Of society. it does. It does. It does, and it, it's really sad because I remember, it, and I don't know if this has changed. I guess I'll have to look at it. But I think it was it was uh, a number of years ago. I was looking on the ELCA website because I was trying to find out what it is that they believe in certain areas, and one in particular with reference to creation. Um, at the time, on that on the, the ELCA you know, website, it said, we have no position on creation and evolution. <laughs> you can believe either one. Um, but then it comes to, okay, what the pastor says, and then if the people you know, are in tune with what their church body teaches, then they would have to say, well, you can't say that. You can't say it's true. You can't say it's false. But where does that lead you, especially when God is very clear about these things? Yeah. 
quite a few years ago here uh, when pastor was covering other churches. I did a Bible class for a season on comparing our Christian dogmatics with the Elka Christian dogmatics. And it just blows your mind. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing really Christian about it. Does, uh, that, does the name Pannenberg mean anything to you? No. I think it's Pannenberg. Bratton's the one. Bratton, yeah, and Jenkins. It, it, uh, yeah. But, you know, you could go for pages in there without coming across the Bible verse. And you look at our Christian dogmatics, and that's all you see is Bible verses right. documenting yeah. each and every position. Yeah, and, and maybe it was just who I was reading, but I remember kind of looking through some some of those uh, a couple years ago, and I was thinking, what are they saying? I, I don't understand. Whereas ours, you know, very crystal clear, this is what we believe, teach, confess, and so on and so forth. Yeah. One I don't know if they have it in the library still. I think we had a copy in the church library here. It's called What's Going On Among the Lutherans. Yeah. yeah. And it was written, I don't know, I think in the 80s. And so That sounds about right. Maybe maybe even actually a little bit before. Maybe a little bit before. But as I recall, one name uh, was co-authored and one was Ken Cade, I believe. I, I don't know. I know Lipvine is another one. Anyway, they were both ex-LCA or Elka. Yeah. Lutherans, and they had done tremendous research mm -hmm. on the two church bodies yeah. and uh, documented everything. And they, what's interesting is they categorized the different doctrines, everything from the Trinity to the right. you know, incarnation of Christ and so forth. Right. And uh, night and day, just absolute, you know, and when you just glance at some of the major tenets of the faith, you go, these people aren't even Christian. This group, you know, they, they deny the virgin birth, the virgin conception. And what in my conversation with these folks, it's like kind of like our very liberal Episcopalian friends, you can believe whatever you want, but they're very strict on church polity. You have to adhere to what the bishop says, you have to in fact when there was the merger back in 1987-88, the ALC folks, I kind of as I had opportunity said you better look before you leap into this merger. And if you don't care about doctrine, you don't care at least about your property. Because once you become Elka, all this becomes, it belongs to the diocese. Every every dollar you donated to build your building, it no longer is yours. We, uh, I think it was, I want to say 2010-ish again, um, but I, it may have been even before that, like 2006, the LCMS has actually declared, I don't, I don't think it was unanimous, but at one of our conventions, maybe one of you remember, uh, but we actually declared the ELCA no longer Lutheran. That's I mean, we did that publicly. Yeah. And and it, like I said, it wasn't unanimous, but if, if, if you go, you know, if, if, you, if you look at the, what they actually teach, you know, you will say, this is not even biblical. You know, um, so with, with reference to uh, you know the, the virgin birth, with reference to uh, of course creation, um, you know, open communion is, is is practiced there and pretty much many other places too. 
I, I had an experience. We had two ELC congregations in the in the city that, that uh, I served um, before coming here, and I remember hearing about this. I, I oh, because um, uh, you know I, I was in dialogue with a, a Chinese student, and he had mentioned that he had attended uh, the ELCA congregation and he received communion, and my jaw dropped because I knew he wasn't Christian, and I, I remember talking with the pastor about it. Oh, did you know that so-and-so, you know, you communed him and he wasn't a Christian? He says, really? You know, but but that's, you know, he, he didn't really respond. You know, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I, I should call him and, and talk with him, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, he was very, he, he was not concerned one iota about that. And why should they be? Because of their stance, their position on, on the Lord's Supper um, and uh, really disbelieving what the Lord says. Yeah. I think you and then you. Yeah, me this time. Um, Ladies first. I I know that Wells does not commune with us. Right. Can you explain what their difference is? What uh, we do I, that I they can don't try. Uh, my understanding, Wisconsin, will, uh, there there's various points. Um, you know, and, and really there's uh, there's there's three main ones that that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, if you look at the catechisms used by Wisconsin Synod as well as used by Missouri, you will find that the words for of Luther's catechism are identical. It's how they're applied. Um, so, you know, with, with reference to Wisconsin, um, a big part of it has to do with um, their unity, what they call the unity concept of fellowship. Okay, so the unity concept of fellowship, um, you know, would, would uh, you know, part of their teaching, for example, is uh, a Wisconsin Synod, according to their doctrine, uh, because of this unity concept of fellowship, if you're with another Christian who is not in fellowship with Wisconsin Synod, then you are not able to pray with them. You know, you can say the prayer, but you can't, you, you shouldn't say amen to another, uh, another Christian's prayer. Um, so, you know, whereas we speak of altar and pulpit fellowship, right, we emphasize that. So, um, you know, and, and, and there could be some discussion here um, because they, they take the position, I, I think they claim that their position is, is from Walther. And Walther, of course, was the first president of the Missouri Synod. And what's ironic is that uh, Wisconsin Synod um, way back when, when they were first forming, uh, they were very, uh, they, they, my understanding is that they were lax doctrinally. And the Missouri Synod encouraged them and strengthened them. And now, you know, um, but Missouri has its own issues, right? Uh, you know, for sure. But unity of concept of fellowship, uh, you know, very much like us, yeah. you know, if, if, if one does not, if one is not in fellowship with us, believing what we believe, um, then they should not commune, right? Um, and, uh, you know, that's one. Another, uh, and, and this is kind of, I, I don't want to say it's a moot point, but it's, it's, it's close to that now, uh, or closer. And, and that is, years ago, remember Boy Scouts? Mm -hmm. Missouri Synod, you know, was, 
I don't know if I could say just okay with Boy Scouts. Sponsor. Yeah, I mean, so so there were many congregations who had Lutheran troops, mm. you know, and uh, and the like. Whereas Wisconsin Synod, I think, also related to number one, the unity concept of fellowship. Um, they had their own program, mm. and not Boy Scouts. Um, and and my understanding is the reasoning was in the Wisconsin Synod. When it comes to Boy Scouts, they, they, they say that uh, well, it's not a creed, but kind of an oath to God and country, but they don't define who God is. Mm -hmm. And I would hope and pray that Missouri Synod would have problems with that too. Yeah. You know, um, and, and along the lines with that, Wisconsin Synod doesn't have, um, they don't have chaplains, they don't have military chaplains. Yeah. You know, official chaplains in the military. Yeah. Right, but they—I mean—they would have pastors and others who would serve, you know, those in the military off base, but not yeah. on base. Whereas Missouri, you know, um, you know, does have military chaplains that serve alongside of, you know, the uh, the airmen, the soldiers, and the like. Um, however, I, I think that's going to be um, ever more and more challenging, especially now that uh, yeah. um, that I, I think was it under Obama. That uh, that the government paid for, you know, um, sex changes pretty much for for government for for you know military personnel, and now of course it's reinstituted, um, and you know, and you might genuinely ask, what does that have to do with the military? And it has nothing to do with the military. It has everything contrary to do with the military, uh, because the military is about protecting, you know, our our country and, and people and the like. Um, and then lastly, too, um, th there are other distinctions as well, um, and one that might not be so readily seen also has to do with the office of the ministry. Uh, because in Wisconsin Synod, um, their, their doctrine of the office of the ministry does not only apply to pastors, but they see teachers kind of as ministers, too, mm -hmm. and principals and the like. Whereas we distinguish and we say, you know, that the office of the ministry really is not about the pastor, it's about the word. But where, you know, from the office of the ministry, you know, from there you have these other auxiliary offices like teacher, like principal. Um, now, are you talking like parochial or public? Or both? Parochial. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, now, this is, we, I'm not suggesting here that, you know, that, that a teacher or a principal does not have a call from God. You know, um, for that vocation, okay? Um, but we distinguish, you know, so so this is how it has historically been in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, that like if there was a school, it's not the principal that has the top say concerning the school with reference to doctrine, with reference to theology. It's actually the pastor yeah. because of the office, you know. Um, but uh, sadly, I, I mentioned I was mentioning some, some issues within our synod. Oftentimes, like at the seminary, at least in my experience, the seminary teaches the proper, the proper, um, you know, uh, the proper teaching about the uh, the office of the ministry. But many of our Concordias teach a different view of the ministry, and oftentimes then there's conflict. You know, uh, we could say, for example. You know, with reference to fellowship, we also say in Missouri 
that it is necessary to be in doctrinal fellowship in order to commune at our altars. Mm -hmm. However, and each one of you probably to some degree or another could give examples of LCMS congregations that don't practice that. Come on down. Even Missouri. Oh, you remember <laughs> your, your, your relative is in ELCA and they're visiting today? Or mm -hmm. Methodist or Catholic? You know, just have them come too. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that as well. I don't know if this is still the case because things keep changing. And, but I recall that basically um, when he asked the, the higher-ups that deal with the clarity fellowship, you know, overtures and so forth, that we would be in fellowship with Wisconsin, but they choose not to be in fellowship with us. And even though we have our differences, and you can slice and dice how serious those are, Kind of like, I guess, the political thing. We can agree on 80%. You know, we're pretty close there. Um, you can argue that, you know, but but they choose not to, and it's because we are inconsistent with our community policy. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know if that's still the, the issue, but I will also throw this little caveat in there: is that they, Wisconsin, have sent a lot of their personnel training for the ministry to our seminaries. Mm -hmm. So we have seminary fellowship. <laughs> yeah. The word. At least they have. used to. I don't know, again, what's going on right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, the Wisconsin Synod, I, I think they do have a seminary in Milwaukee. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's a, I think, I, I forget the name of the place. I want to say Bethany Lutheran. I think that's. I would assume there's small seminaries, and if yeah. they're getting like advanced degrees or right. something like that, right. like a demon or something of that sort. <clears throat> it was, I believe, in 1998 during President Barry's last convention that he pushed the uh, the resolution that. The Elka was not theologically Lutheran. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, with, with reference to the word evangelical, with reference to the word Lutheran, you know, I, I think that's been hijacked too. Because I mean, when, whenever you hear the, or often when you hear the word Lutheran, like on TV or radio, or you're talking with friends, oftentimes they don't mean Missouri Synod. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's 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 no secret. Um, but simply because they, they use the word Lutheran doesn't mean that they're Lutheran. It just means they're using the name, much like Christian or, or Bible. And then, you know, church, uh, I mean, if we define that loosely as a fellowship of, of like-minded people, you know, uh, that are open to anything and everything, then that would apply to ELCA. But technically speaking, you know, that the Church of Christ, the Church of God, and I'm not speaking of a denomination here, the Holy Christian Church. but the Holy Christian Church, the Communion of Saints, um, if, they held to, if they hold to their beliefs in the ELCA, they're not part of that. Um, and it's only by their inconsistent beliefs, um, you know, what I mean by that is any individual's inconsistent beliefs, in other words, they believe differently than the ELCA teaches that they're members of Christ's Church. You know, his true church, you know, through faith. And then, of course, of America, okay, you can say they're in America, you know, um, Americans and the like. But Evangelical Lutheran Church, to, to your comment, way back when, 
I mean, these, these words understood properly are sound and solid. And they reflect actually what they what they present. Why isn't it, why aren't we E-L-C-M-S? Is that too long? <laughs> um, no, I, I think it probably, I, I want to go back to the German, which I don't even know the original name. Do you know it? Um, uh, the German Evangelical Lutheran Synod of Ohio, Missouri, Ohio, and other states. <laughs> that was the original was name. German, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a little long, and now we, we just say the LCMS. Um, but uh, but, but I, I think that would be actually more confusing, uh, because then you have the Evangelical Lutheran Church in, of America, and then there, there's a... Actually, uh, since ELCA has begun ordaining women uh, way back when, um, there's another synod, another group actually that broke off from ELCA, which I consider as ELCA light. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because uh, in this, it's, it's called the North American Lutheran Church. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the North American Lutheran Church. And Why don't they just take the evangelical out of all of it? I mean, that's the whole purpose. In that yeah. conservative, is an is evangelical conservative? Well, you would think so, but, you know, another historical uh, interesting point, I, I, interestingly uh, historical point, evangelical first referred to Lutherans because they protested. You know, of course, Protestants, they were the, Lutherans were the first Protestants. That's what Lutherans preferred. That made you know. Luther get up on his, at the door. <laughs> yeah, well, that was after the 95 Theses. Yeah. But but in discussions and stuff, uh, because what, what the, the Catholic Church was doing, I think, uh, first they said that, uh, and I, I forget the actual dates, I think it was like the late 20s, wasn't it? Where you had uh, the Catholic Church you know, at one point saying that um, Lutherans can be Lutherans and Catholics can be Catholics in their own particular region. And then they reneged on that. In other words, then they kind of backtracked and they said no. And to that, then the Lutherans protested. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it's just fascinating, but, but evangelical Lutheran and church, you know, describes historically, you know, you know something about us that 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 is uh, that that draws attention to, to scripture and the truth. You know, evangelical of course has to do with the gospel. Lutheran uh, significantly, what comes to mind are the means of grace, how God works, is the gifts of life and salvation. The church, you know, from ecclesia called out those who are called out uh, uh, of the world, you know, and uh, believing in Christ. Yeah. Not to belabor this too much longer, but. I remember at the seminary, uh, and that's a long time ago, that um, they talked about a previous student, which was even longer ago, and he was, uh, you know, doing the history of the Lutheran Church in America, the study of, you know, the history of Lutheran roots, and uh, this, I don't know whether he made this his dissertation, but it was his project that he uh, volunteered to do, and that was to <coughs> outline all of the different Lutheran synods that ever were. And this is a long time ago, this is before the Elka merger. And, you know, the, there was even a group called the Anti-Missourians. 
<laughs> well, that's a neat sentence to walk to, right? <laughs> but, but there were so many different little splinter groups and mergers that he actually gave up on the project. He never finished it. He just got frustrated. And going back to Myra's question, I would guess, this is my educated guess, that the reason why you see that in the agenda, it is a kind of a generic, yet I would say confessional title that would allow, as the hymnal goes, or as the agenda goes, Wisconsin Senate could use it, ELS could use it, any Bible-believing, Christ-centered, Lutheran church body can use that phrase. It's all inclusive, I would think. Is that kind of meet with your yeah. understanding? I, I, I think so. Um, I mean, it is a it, it, it is a confession of faith, or, or it's involved with the confession of faith. Uh, but yeah, it, it does give opportunity then to distinguish because sure. because ELCA can be very confusing. You know, um, what, what, I, I forget what it was. I want to say was it? I, I want to say it was in the 90s, maybe in the year in, in, in the 2000s. You know, when the uh, when the Olympics were in Utah, the Winter Olympics, do you remember that? Was that? 2002, okay. And I remember there was a big push, um, you know, like on billboards you would notice this, and then also uh, TV commercials. It seemed to me that there was a big push of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to eliminate, or at least not to present, to cut off the, the last few words of that. You know, the Church of Jesus Christ, keep that, but, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, disconnect the of Latter-day Saints from the Church of Christ. And you do that, and many are going to be duped. Just because, you know, well, the Church of Christ, that sounds pretty darn good, doesn't it? Yeah. Or another one, the Church of God. What what, what can be wrong with that? That's the Mormon Church, isn't it? No. Well, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is. Right, um, but uh, but what about Jehovah's Witnesses? I mean, think about the words, which are based, I think, on Isaiah 40, if I'm not mistaken. You know, there's a phrase in there where God says, "You will be my witnesses." <coughs> oh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I should say Yahweh's, but, but anyway. Um, but I mean, you know, they, these names, you know, may sound good, uh, but it's it, it's more than what's in a name. It's what they believe, teach, and confess. You've got to define the terms. Yeah, and and ever more so today. Yeah. You know, we we expressed this uh, within the last couple of weeks, but you know, the word God. You know, um, and and I want to lowercase that because so many refer to God in God we trust, or um, that's on the dollar bill, of course. Uh, but when 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 the current administration says, you know, I, I don't know if. Does he say God bless America? Yes. God willing or something. I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Mr. And I, I wonder what he means. God bless America. I haven't heard you him know, say that. Um, if a Muslim says God, God they usually mean something very particular. You know, um, and you know, there's only one God. You know, and and this this God identifies Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that calls for greater and greater clarity, especially today, which. Is going to get Christians in trouble, but that's that's exactly what we must uh, be prepared, you know, to receive. Now, um, one last thing in closing: um, if you're still in Romans, if you're not, that's okay. Let me just read it. But verse 28, um, 
We know that, that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Um, those words are true. But I would also say that they always don't feel true. Or they don't always seem to be true according to our experience. Um, but we have to remember, and I'll, I'll leave with these words, experience is not the defining point here. It's God's word. It's God's promise. And, and because of Jesus Christ, we know that his, uh, his promises are yes. And, uh, you know, a little bit later on, in verse 31, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And Paul says in another place that you are complete in him that is in Christ. Um you know, our, our, uh, our fullness is not in our experience or what we suffer, but rather in Christ who suffered in our place and who suffers also 